Where? Where? All right. Lord, we thank you for your presence this morning. We just thank you for your Holy Spirit being with us. So we've, the Lord gave me a word, you know, a few months back to, to dive into the fruits of the Spirit. So we've, we've been doing that. We're just going into one a month and just really looking at those fruits and see what it takes to activate them in our life. And so this month, as you can tell, is joy and where I think we're kicking it off right. Well, I feel joy in the place this morning. Um, I started out looking at uh, several different acronyms for joy. Come up across a few of them. One of them's Jesus, only you. That was pretty good. Another one is J's for Jesus. The O is zero. And the Y is you. That zero means there's nothing coming between Jesus and us. So I thought that was a good one for joy. Another one I really liked was Jesus first, others second, and you last. I know a lot of you guys are already thinking this sounds like a repeat of what we just started off last time with love. is getting our mind off ourselves. And, and it's just what it takes. <laughs> um, and we really talked about in love getting the focus off ourselves and off the others because a relationship um, I love the way the message version puts it in Romans 12:10. It says we must practice playing second fiddle, and that is just—I I love the way that puts that. I've just held on to that, and it's just—I've grown a lot just from that one sentence. Practice playing second fiddle in your life, and um, actually, in love, we're really focused on on others. But we're going to take a little bit different perspective this time, um, instead of taking the—we're going to take the focus off ourselves. But we're going to learn what it takes to put our focus not on others, but on Jesus first. We're going to concentrate on that first part of that JOY acronym, and that's Jesus first. And that's hard to do. I've heard, you know, reading a lot of stuff, and there's just no ways about We've become a me generation. Everything is about us. And there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of good things. Uh, you think of the Walmart grocery pickup. I mean, Amazon, I mean, and I love those things. They're all good things. But they're, when you boil it down to it, it's about me, making things easier on me. You know, don't, not go to the store. I can order it and have it here in two days. I love Amazon Prime. I use it just about every day. Um, Ginger does her grocery pickup, and I go in her steed sometimes, and I love pulling up there, popping the back hatch. They put my groceries in, and I'm gone. And you just can't, you can't beat that. But we have become a me generation um, I, how many's on Facebook? Most of us, and there's a lot. There's a lot of good thing on Facebook, but how many times do you see on Facebook where people just they put everything on there? What they're having for dinner? They tell you that they're fixing to start the laundry. I mean, they just everything they can think of. It's hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. We have become a me generation. Um, another way is. If everybody's got a, a phone that's got a camera on it, go ahead and bring that out. Go ahead and get your phone out and go to your camera. If you get your camera out on all your smartphones now, there's a button that does what? It puts that picture all on me. We're our, we've become a selfie generation. And um, I'm thinking... You know, what did we do before we had selfies? 
I mean, when you've seen a beautiful sunset or a pretty mountain or uh, just a, a skyscraper or a waterfall, you sit there and admired that creation. You admired what was there, but now what do we do? Got to get a picture of me in that thing. A lot of us, so go ahead and, go ahead and get, your, get, get your camera out, put it in selfie mode, and take a selfie of you and the person next to you real quick. Save that picture. You can use it to invite people to church later on. Say, come get your church flow one with us. Now, I'm not saying selfies are all bad, especially when you get the beautiful landscape. I remember when we was up at the summer camp there at Eagle Sky, we went on top of what they call the mountain, and you can just got a beautiful view, 360 degrees all the way around. And there was a sunset, and it was beautiful. And I grabbed my wife, Ginger, and I said, let's get us a picture. Great picture. I love it. But what I can guarantee you, almost every one of those pictures that you take, even with good intentions, you see uh, a lot of the families, I mean, they just, the, it's all about the backdrop more than it is the actual picture. It's all about the backdrop. And I guarantee when you go back and you look at those pictures, I bet you'll focus more on what you're wearing or checking to see if you've got a piece of dry skin on your nose or something more than you're going to worry about that actual background. We start off with good intentions, but that selfie button... No matter how you look at it, it ends up putting the focus back where? On us. Hold those phones up again with it on selfie mode. I want everybody on the count of three, I want you to say flip it and then push that button. One, two, three. Now what do you see? Where you're at, you probably see the back of some people's heads or you might see me. That's a pretty good picture, but... But I can tell you what you don't see is you. Now you're seeing what God's put around you. If you can put it towards the window, you can see the beautiful lake out there and the woods behind it. You might, you might catch a duck or two out there. But when you take and you flip that, I'm telling you, we're going to see today there's joy on the flip side. When you take that focus off of you and you put it back on God's creation and what he's created for, for us to enjoy... You're going to see the joy in the flip side. When you go to those waterfalls or those pretty landscapes, and there's not a picture of you there, but you can concentrate and focus on what God created, you will find joy rising up on the inside. Just like this morning. We started praising, and some of us, and we all get to those low spots, but it didn't matter. When we started putting our focus, and we started rejoicing in Him, there is a joy that rose up on the inside of us. And young ladies, and old ladies too, I know there's a big thing, young ladies, when they're taking those selfies on Facebook and they pooch their lips out, the women, they've got it down. I mean, you can tell they're in the mirror, they're pooching the butt out, they've got all the angles. They're experts at taking selfies. But young ladies... Don't take those selfie pictures and put them on Facebook with your lips all pooched out. You shouldn't be thinking about it any way, but I can promise you that boys aren't going to kiss you with them fish lips anyway. Just be yourself. Be your true self if you are going to do it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about flipping. We're going to get the attention off of us and our focus off of self, and we're going to get it on our Creator. Philippians 4, 4 through 8, if you'll turn with me there. The 
Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I love the more I'm focusing and reading these fruits, you hardly ever see one by itself. They are so contingent on each other. Once you get one fruit, it just plants. I mean, another fruit will well up on the inside of you. At the same time, they're kind of daisy chained like our lights up here. They're just linked together. When you start, when you put your mind on your focus on love and you're reading on love, you'll see joy comes with it. When you're focusing on joy, you'll see peace. The peace of God comes with it. So there's a foundation that we're, that we're laying there. It starts with love. And now we're starting with joy. And that all just keeps building up on the inside of us. It just links them together. They're not there by themselves. It says, finally, brethren, verse 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. There is so much packed in those few, those few scriptures. Be anxious for nothing. That is so hard to, to it's just to fathom. How can you not worry about anything? But the, I heard an illustration, um, and why I'm on a, a few references that I've got for this message is a couple of uh, sermons from Francis Chan and a book I've been reading by Mickey Bell. It's called I Am David. Um, so there's a few reference points in there from those. But one reference that I heard is really held on to me. As parents, when we send our kids out to school, you know, do you think they're worried about how they're going to get home that day or whether they're going to have food on the table when they get home? Are they, going to be, are they worried about getting the electric bill paid? Our kids aren't worried about that because we've told them, don't worry about that. You have fun. You go out and, and, and do what you need for the day. I've got that. That's the same thing that God tells us. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about nothing. But if we trust him like our kids trust us to run our households, can you imagine how much easier that might be to be anxious for nothing when we put our trust and our focus in him? Let's go back to that rejoice in the Lord always. It's hard for me to, get, to grasp this concept, but by looking at that right there, rejoice in the Lord always, it ends with an exclamation mark. That is an imperative statement. That is more or less, that is a command for us to rejoice. Really? God commands us to rejoice? That sounds like such a happy term to be commanded to do so. But that's, that's the way I take it right there. It says rejoice. And, and I don't know, and I'll stand corrected if somebody, I haven't really studied this out, but as far as I know, there's no other command in there that's worded like that where it says, thou shalt not kill. Again, I say don't kill. I don't, I don't know of reading that anywhere, so that stands out to me that this, although it may not be written in the stone Ten Commandments, this is a very important commandment that we are to rejoice. We are to rejoice and not just rejoice in the good times, but it says rejoice when? Always. All the time we should be rejoicing. 
so hard to do. When everything seems to be falling apart, it can be hard to rejoice. But I'm telling you, there's a cycle that happens. There's a cycle that goes on when we get that down in our heart. And we realize that joy is a heart thing. It's not a circumstance thing. Rejoice and joy comes from the inside out and up. It does not go from my circumstances and my world and my situation into my heart. Rejoice is flipped. Flip it. Joy comes from the inside. When you take your mind and your heart and you say, God, I love you and I I praise you. You are worthy of all my praise. When you start making those affirmations in your life and you start rejoicing in him, there's a joy that wells up on the inside of us. And, you know, see, you may say that's easy for you, Curtis. Everything seems to be going right in your life right now. I do. I am. I'm blessed. Blessed beyond measure right now. I thank God for that. But this is Paul that wrote this. And we're led to believe in this letter that Paul was sitting in prison when he wrote this. And he's saying, Rejoice. I don't know about you, but if I was sitting in prison, that's not where my focus would be. I'd be worried about what's next to me and what's all around me, about the bad food I'm getting. Or, you know, if they're going to, back then, I'm sure the guards probably beat them. But even in that circumstance, Paul did what? He flipped it. He flipped it. He took his mind and his, off his circumstances and he put them on his sword. There's a story where him and Silas is there, sitting there in prison together. It says they began praying and they began singing hymns, rejoicing in the Lord. And then the earth started quaking and the, the gates come off of the jail. Oh, because they began to rejoice. Even in the midst of their trials, in the midst of their circumstances. You've heard the term heaven on earth. I think that's what that is. I think that's what Paul did when he was sitting in that jail cell. I think he brought heaven down to earth. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth, what? As it is in heaven. That's exactly, and Patrick tells us all the time that that is a command from us. That's an imperative statement from us. We're pulling heaven. We're pulling the kingdom of heaven right down into the middle of the nasty now in our circumstances. Regardless of what they are, but when we lift up that name, we are tapping into the very kingdom of heaven. What what does the kingdom of heaven even look like? Let's go to Revelation. Um, We'll get a little bit of a glimpse of that. Uh, Verse, uh, chapter 4. In verse 8, we'll read through verse 11. That's Revelation 4, 8. It says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest. They do not rest day or night singing, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. 
who was and is to come. But they don't rest day or night, 24-7 in heaven. Somebody's rejoicing to God. Ground of verse, uh, so whenever the creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And then get this, they cast their crowns before they're saying. They cast their crowns. You know what they're doing right there? They're flipping it. Those crowns are their glory. They're their accomplishments. They're their awards. That's what they've received. But they're taking those crowns. They're taking all the focus off of them. And they're laying it where? At the throne. They're flipping it. And they're saying, you are worthy, O Lord. Verse 11. They receive glory and to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. Verse 5 and 11. Still Revelation says, Then I looked and I heard the voices of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Wrap your head around that one. Just the first part alone is 100 million. I give up there. So they sang with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. One more, verse 7 and 12 says, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God Forever and ever. Amen. That's what heaven looks like. If you want to bring thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as in heaven. You want to bring the kingdom of heaven down to your circumstances and your nasty now. That's how you do it. Rejoicing. Taking all the focus off of you and doing nothing but lifting up the name of Jesus. Putting all your focus on the creator. And I promise you. It may not happen in an instant, but the mountain's going to come. You're going to get out of the valley when you rejoice in Him. I remember a time, and I've shared this several times, but and the reason I bring it up this time is because of an email that I found where I shared it with somebody else, and it just touched my heart, especially the timing of it. But I wasn't going anything th- anything, through anything bad at the time. But I remember I was getting ready for a bounce house party one time in the old church in the gymnasium. And I just began, I was just singing. And I was, uh, next thing I know, I was shouting to God. I was the only one in there. I was just shouting and praising. And he gave me a word. And it was out of a song that we used to sing all the time. It says, the kingdom of God is within me. It says, no, no defeat, only victory. And the more that I got that, the more I shouted it, the more excited I got, the more the joy welled up on the inside. Before I knew it, I was just sprawled out on the gym floor by myself, bawling. But I'm telling you, it was tears of joy. At that moment, I feel like I, I tapped into the kingdom of heaven and it come down right on earth with me. 
but it was because I began to put all my focus, all my presence on him. And this happened many times, even when we're in worship here and I, you know, I'm reading the lyrics, but when I stop reading the lyrics and they become my words to him and not just me singing a song, the joy rises up on the inside of me. But that email of my cousin, she was going through a hard time. And so I uh, emailed to her and I was just telling her, I said, I'll be praying about your situation. So, but the Lord laid a word on my heart this last Saturday. So I've heard a hundred times in a song we sing at church. So, but last Saturday while getting ready for this party, it hit me so hard. I started shouting and praising God and I ended up on my knees right in the middle of the gym, the gym floor thanking him. I said, the kingdom of God is within me. He knows no defeat, only victory. I told her, I said, that is one powerful statement. So there's no matter what's going on in the nasty now, as long as we don't take our eyes off of him, we're going to come out ahead. I said, I urge you to confess that affirmation out loud. I said, you can say it to yourself anytime to build yourself out. But I said, I believe there is power in the verbal affirmation. And what really drew me to this email, and it, I mean, this, you know, we missed last Sunday. This was all supposed to happen last Sunday. As I wrote that email on March 3rd. Last Sunday was March 3rd. And that may seem like a small detail, but as I'm going through things and God's pointing things out to me, when I've seen 10 years to the day, this is uh, nine years today, March 3rd, 2010, I wrote that email to the day that, that I was to be given this message. It just touched my heart. And uh, it's so true. The kingdom of God is on the inside of us. It's not something so far out that's within, that's, that we can't ever grizzle hold of. It's not something we've got to wait to get to. There's more to come. There's way more to come than we can ever imagine. But we can tap into it right now in every circumstance in our life. If we rejoice, when? Always. Rejoice always. Philippians 4.10, if you'll turn there with me. This is still Paul says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. And now at last your care for me has flourished again. <clears throat> Though you surely did, surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regards to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned to both be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. This next one, verse 13, this has become, I think, our, our NCF kids go-to verse right here. So kids, if you would, help me out with this one. Philippians 4, 13, you remember it? So, so you, guys, you guys go ahead and say it, all the kids. One more time. You can do what? Through who? Through Christ who does what? He strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For the last two weeks, pastor has been talking about the position to receive or the conditions to receive. And he was talking about Sarah received strength to conceive. 
we receive strength in our life. And I want, especially you kids, I mean, this verse, I know it's down in your hearts. You say it over and over. I want you guys to pay attention real close to the next few minutes. The way to get to that strength, the tapping of that strength. In uh, Nehemiah 8.10. It says, we're going to the last sentence says, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is what? That's the word that Linda gave this morning. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Kids, when you're saying that scripture through your hard times, in your tough troubles, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the joy of Christ that strengthens you. And the way you tap into that joy is by rejoicing in him. When you lift up the name of Jesus and you start giving him glory and you start thanking him for all the good things in your life and what he's done for you and you take your mind off of the negative situations, that's when that strength comes. The strength of the Lord. It comes through his joy. It comes through his joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Another word for rejoice is to boast in the Lord. Just boast in him. Tell everybody. Most importantly, tell yourself what he's done in your life. In that early part in Philippians 4, I think it was verse 10 or so, it said that we focus and that we meditate on things that are praiseworthy, things that are lovely. Meditate on those things. That's boasting in the Lord. Psalm 30, 11, in the New Living Translation, it says that Jesus will turn our mourning into joyful dancing. He will take away my clothes of mourning and clothe us with joy. But verse 12, that, there's condition on that. He will give me clothes of joy that I might sing praises to him and not be silent. He will take your mourning and turning into dancing, but it's got a purpose to turn it around and give it right back to him. To rejoice in him always, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of how bad it is. Take your mind off yourself and flip it and put your focus on Jesus and what he's done for you in your life and let the glory rise up from the inside and the glory will trump your circumstance. There is no defeat in Jesus. There is no defeat in the kingdom of heaven. There is only victory. There is only victory. And the victory becomes a rejoicing from Him and the joy that rises up on the inside. That's where our victory is. That's where our strength comes from. Rejoicing always in Jesus. Proverbs seventeen twenty two. In the English Standard Version, it says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine, but the flip side to that, when you let Satan or you let whatever, you let your circumstances rob you of your joy, and the only way he can do that is by handing you a mirror we're handing you a selfie phone and you're putting all the focus on you. That's the only way the devil can steal your joy is by letting you do it yourself. That's the only power that he has over us. 
And if, he does, if you let your joy be stolen, it leads to a crushed spirit with dried up bones. Let's go to Ezekiel 37. Says that, this is the prophet Ezekiel said, The hand of the Lord come upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And he answered, O oh Lord God, you know. But he said, I'm in the middle of the valley. The valley is a place that we're all going to go through. Sometime in your life, it could be multiple times, you're going to be put in the valley. Sometimes it may be by God. Sometimes it may be by bad choices that we made, just misdirection. But sometime or another in your life, you're going to end up in the valley. But it says he put him in the middle of the valley even. If you think about that, a valley is a low spot we look at between two mountains or between two hilltops, right? If you're in the middle, you're the furthest point away that you can be from your mountain. And this was God that put him there. He said, and he did just put him there and say, look at these bones. He put him in there and had him pass around all these bones to really take in and focus and to see the situation of these dry bones. Not just dry bones, this is very dry bones. That means they ain't had joy for a long time. If we're looking at dry bones as being the opposite of joy as good medicine, those bones have been without joy for a long time. We all go through the valley, but the valley is not your final destination. The, the valley's not a fun place to be, it's not a vacation destination. There's not much fun that happens in the valley. But don't stay in the valley. You're not intended to camp out and to stay in the valley. You're intended to pass through the valley. That's why it's between two mountaintops. So you can see there's another way out. You can see a destination point to get out of the valley. But most of the lot of times, I just think about Ezekiel looking at all those dry bones. Most time, almost every time we get in the valley, there's a party that goes on. It's a party we throw for ourselves called a pity party. And we get mad when nobody comes. But when you're in the valley and you throw that pity, pity party and you lose your focus and you put your focus on poor me and my poor situation and the joy starts getting quenched out of your life and your bones start to dry up, some people never Flip it. They stay in that mentality of poor me and the bones dry up. But the word this morning is flip it. Somebody say flip it. There is joy on the flip side. When you take your focus off of you, those bones aren't going to dry out. When the joy of the Lord enters in, that's good medicine that keeps the bones healthy and moist and dry. And and strong. When you're going through the valley, do not stop. You cannot stay in it. There's two reasons why you're in the valley. One is to be tested. 
wants to be schooled. You're supposed to learn while you're in the valley. And the other two is not necessarily tested, but you're being examined. If God puts you in the valley, he's examining your heart. What's that question he asked Ezekiel? Son of man, can these bones live? He's asking you this morning, son of man, can your bones live? Can you flip it? Can you take your focus off of the circumstance and put it back on me and bring joy back into your life? You have that power. You have that control. It is all on you to take your eyes and your focus off of me and put it on him. And to bring joy in your life and to tread on through the valley. We all go there. We all get put in the middle. But don't stop in the valley. Don't camp out there. Keep on going. He says, do you believe? He's saying, he says, do you believe these, these bones can live? He's saying, do you believe that I am the source of your joy? That's what he's asking you. Do you believe that I am the source of your joy? Not the circumstance you're in. Exodus 19, 9 through 25 um, I'm not going to read it word for word. You can go back and go through it if you'd like. Um, so I'll just give you the Curtis version real quick. It's back in the Old Testament, and God calls Moses up on a mountain. He says, the people cannot touch the base of the mountain. And the day that the Lord came, said there's just such a, a cloud came on there on the mountain, and God called Moses up the mountain. The people could not touch the base of that mountain. They have to wait down the valley. And then Moses comes down, and then he gives them the word that he got from the Lord. And I think a lot of us are stuck in that mentality that we have to wait at the base of the mountain. We come in here on Sunday morning sometimes and we've got our whole week that's just piled up on us and we come here and we're hoping you know, all the focus is on me when we walk in the doors I hope they sing my favorite song this morning I hope that the pastor's got a good message they put all we put we, we I do the same thing we put all the pressure on the praise and worship team and those around us and pastor we expect him to go up on the mountain all week long and be with God while we wait at the base and then come in here Sunday morning and wait for him to come off down the mountain and give us a word of joy. But that's Old Testament, folks. When Jesus hung on the cross for you in our place, the veil was torn and now we have full access to the mountain at any time. You no longer got to wait for Pastor or me or Moses to come off the mountain. You can go there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, any day of the week. You got full access to the mountain. You got full access to God on your own. Don't wait all week in your pity party, trudging through the valley and come in here and wait for somebody else to lift you up. You go up the mountain throughout the week. You take control of your situation in your life. You go up the mountain and see what God's got for you. I'm telling you, there's joy on the flip side. There's joy on the mountain when you get in there and you press in and you listen to what God's got for just you. 
And then when you come in here Sunday morning and you're already fired up and you're already full of joy because you've been on the mountain yourself and then it's pouring out of you and it's pouring out of all of us. Can you imagine if we walked in here at 1030 and it ended like our last song ended? But we started at 1030 because we're already all fired up because we've been on the mountain. We didn't come here and wait for Harold and the worship team to take us up. We were already there. Can you imagine coming in fired up with joy on the inside right out of the gate? I would love to see what God would do with us, Harold, if we come in here all like that, ready to go. With just a mountaintop mentality. We've no longer got to wait in the valley. We can go up the mountain like Moses, experience what God's got for us. So many of us, and it's some of us have a natural joy about us. Some, some of us do. You know, you've, you've seen people, you carry them, they're just always lifted up, and they're just, there's a natural joy about them, they're always smiling. Some of us have to work real hard at that. <laughs> some of it comes natural, but uh, I want to share with a clip with you from Francis Chan that kind of talks about that when he wasn't always a Spirit-filled, happy kid. But I think you'll enjoy this little video clip. Always been this way. Uh, I, ever since I was a little kid, I, I just, I wasn't a happy kid. I was not a happy kid at all. I remember, I could, you know how you remember little things from your childhood? And you don't know why you remember those memories, but they're just in there? I remember my aunt, my aunt, when, when I was a kid, I, every time we'd visit her, she'd always say the same thing to me. She'd look at me and she goes, why are you never happy? I still, you know how you were, like certain things are ingrained in your head? Like I always remembered because it was like shocking. I really just looked sad all that time, you know, never have. And I also remember this other time. My dad was cooking and uh, you ever, uh, he was cooking a fish. And, 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 you know, when we cook a fish, we cook the whole fish, you know, the head, everything is just right there. And I remember just looking at the fish's face and I remember just going up to my dad and go, man, he looks so sad. And I still remember my dad. He looked right at me and he goes, that how you always rook. <laughs> That's so weird. Like that, how I always rook? I mean, I always rook like that? You know, it's just, but that's... That was me. It was just like this kid that was just this mopey, problem-filled, stressed That You know, I mean, even as a child, that just wasn't me, you know? And I'm not talking about the person that's just naturally happy because he's a happy person. That was not me at all. But you guys, there's this person called the Holy Spirit, okay? And when he comes into you, the Bible says you'll see the fruit of him. You'll see love and you'll see joy, and peace. You, you, you'll see it. It's, it's a change in your life because of what's happened to you about God coming into your life and you recognize it and you can rejoice in the Lord always. It was such a blessing to me a few years ago when someone was interviewing my daughter, unbeknownst to me, you know, it was at a, at a retreat I was speaking at and someone just interviewed my daughter and asked her questions about me, the guy that was emceeing the thing. And, and he asked my daughter, what's the first thing you think of when you think of your dad? The first thing out of her mouth was joyful. Joyful. 
that's how I always rook now. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it was like, wow. You know, it's, it's just, again, it's one of those, wow, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Is don't you understand, we've got to stop looking at all the junk in all of our past and going, oh, but I could never be this, I could never be that. No, no, th- through the Holy Spirit, I'm saying we ought to be children, the most peaceful, the most joyful people on the planet. Not that we don't go through difficult times and not that we don't struggle with this sometimes, but we've got to, we've got to fight for our joy. We've got to rejoice in the Lord, not just sometimes, always. This morning, that are you rejoicing that your name's written in the book of life? Always been this way. I, ever since I was a little kid, I, I just, I wasn't a happy kid. I was not a happy kid at all. I remember, I could, you know how you always 